prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. We have a fascinating show today, really fascinating, and a lot of you are going to be excited about it. Uh, before we get into it, I need to thank our title sponsor, and that is uh, Legendary Foods. Uh, of course, Legendary Foods makes a generous contribution to the show that keeps it going uh, day after day, week after week, month after month. And uh, right now they're having a special deal for my listeners. You can't get this anywhere else. And that is, if you go to eatlegendary.com and you use the coupon code uh, RELIEF15, RELIEF15, you'll save 15% off all orders over $100. This does not include the tasty pastry, but they have the most amazing nut butters and seasoned nuts in the world. And uh, their nut butters have no added sugar at all, but yet they taste decadently sweet. Uh, flavors like uh, blueberry cinnamon bun and uh, pecan pie are out of this world. I literally keep them on my desk because I want to be able to uh, have something sweet once in a while, and that's what I use, and uh, they're fantastic. So check them out. Show them some love. Uh, They are a great company. And uh, my guest today, let's get rid of this image. I'm producing the show myself here is uh, Professor Mark Tomerdahl. How are you doing, Professor Tomerdahl? Good. Doing great, Carl. Thanks for being here. So um, this this show has been long awaited uh, because, uh, you know, it's just fascinating to me how far we've come in just a few years uh, using uh, biometric uh, devices. Uh, everything from, you know, you can now get a, a sonogram with your iPhone. They sell the little head, they sell the app, and you can actually start to look at parts of your body in, in your home. And this new frontier of biometrics to me is just fascinating. We're able to do things today at our kitchen tables that typically took elaborate and expensive laboratory equipment. We're going to be sharing information with you today about just such a device that will allow you to assess how well your brain is doing for a variety of reasons we're going to get into. But before we discuss that, I have to understand more about the man behind uh, the piece of equipment. So you are a professor at the University of North Carolina, uh, and you study uh, and research somatosensory cortical dynamics and neural computation in living neural networks. Wow. Yeah, that's a mouthful. It is. (laughs) And I I said it slowly because I typically talk fast, and I would have mumbled right through that. Uh, yeah. Talk, what, what is that? What is it? Well, maybe I'll break it down. And the best way to explain this is just go back to the very beginning of my career, which is uh, I had I had gotten a biology degree at Davidson College and then went to uh, get a, a graduate degree or master's in biomedical engineering and mathematics. And what I did was uh, learn a whole bu- bunch of electronics and electrical engineering and computer science. And then I was ready to go brave the world. I was at UNC, and I said, okay, I'm going to go find work. Looked all over the 
all over the country and I found a job down the hall. Okay. And in my job interview, and this was a person who ended up being my mentor and uh, my PhD mentor, but uh, my job interview, he said, well, what we do here is we're trying to understand how the brain works. And really, in order to understand how the brain works, you really need to understand the cerebral cortex. That's the main part of the brain. And all of cerebral cortex is organized the same way. But the best way to study that organization, that functional organization and the way things work with each other, the way things work, you know, the way neurons talk to each other, the way groups of cells talk to each other, is to study somatosensory cortex. And so somatosensory cortex is right in the right, right, right in the middle of your brain. It's a nice sliver. It's uh, and you can deliver extremely high fidelity inputs. So you can really uh, you can really direct the inputs that go to the brain, and you can and to different parts of the brain, and you can look at the interactions and the results of those interactions. And that's basically so somatosensory cortex handles the sense of touch. And so when you vibrate the skin or deliver stimuli to the skin, you can you can activate selective uh, cortical columns. And basically, you know, the the brain is set up or the that part of the brain is set up what's called somatotopically. And that means that if you stimulate or if you, you vibrate your first digit, you know, or your digit two, first finger. Uh, you activate a place. You activate a place in the brain that is right next door to to the place where you activate the cortex or activate the brain when you you, you vibrate the uh, nerves in the finger. So you not you vibrate nerves in the fingers that are side by side, and you're activating two places in the brain that are side by side, and you can do a whole lot of really cool stuff and study those interactions at very very high resolution. And that's what I did for about. 20 from the night early 1980s to about 2004 2005 um anyway is that and so what what you just asked me was what is somatosensory i can't even remember the whole mouthful but anyway we we study somatosensory cortical uh, neurophysiology and the dynamics that go on in between the different areas and then those dynamics are, are i can give you a simple example if you uh uh, every time that you touch something, you activate neurons. Neurons fire away. But if you were to touch the same thing over and over and over again, it changes the pattern of how they respond. Mm. And, for example, when you put on clothes in the morning, you habituate immediately and you start your brain starts ignoring those responses. And that's, that is a dynamic response or that, that habituation. And the brain's really interested with new stuff. And uh, everybody's got a little bit of ADHD in them. So you understand that, you know, you're really more interested in novel things and new things. And so there's a way to measure that. Um, anyway, so and so what we do is we study that in a, in a variety of ways, both in animal studies and neural network studies and, you know, computational studies. But most recently, we've been doing that also with human perception. And we've been doing that for the last 50, uh, since 2004. We've been coming up with ways in human perception that are and and delivering stimuli to think to the skin that really give us a lot of insight into how the brain works. So if you're if you're watching today's show live on Facebook and you want to comment uh, or ask questions, you can. But let me tell you something I just learned. We share this show on lots of other pages, Superhuman Nation, My Personal Wall, 
uh, and some other pages. If you want to comment and you want your comments to show up, you have to go to the Superhuman Radio Network Facebook page. If you're commenting about something on one of these other pages where we shared the show, unfortunately, I just found this out, your comments don't show up, and so I can't share them. So just keep that in mind. So this is really fascinating. So somebody who plays the guitar, right, initially they feel those fingers, the the, the strings, they feel the frets, but eventually that's not new information. So would that make them, uh, would that change what, other things that they feel like in the day to day, they grab their coffee cup and does it somehow alter their perception because they they have done this thousands of times a day? So right. Maybe? Well, you do have you have what's called an expanded cortical representation when you if you use like the fingertips uh, quite a bit, and that just means that you know you may develop uh, dexterity that is centrally mediated. In other words, it's not all in your fingers. And that's what people forget is that when you touch things, what you're feeling is what's in your brain. But, you know, the way, you know, a lot of people from their high school biology remember the thing called the homunculus. And that's the picture of a brain and it's got this funny looking cartoon character all over it. And the cartoon character has, you know, usually a very large head, very large hands and like the torso is very small. And the reason those things are disfigured and you have huge hands and a huge head is because it represents uh, sensory innervation. So in other words, the hands are much more highly innervated than, than say the torso. And so it gets a much bigger representation in the brain. And if you use your hands a lot more in a very delicate way, then yeah, those representations will expand and get much more, uh, much more developed. Um, Anyway, yeah, no, no, that does, that does. So, (laughs) as as we age, um, we know that the brain go undergoes changes. Those Mm -hmm. changes are there's a variety of changes. Obviously, the brain shrinks. Uh, This can be seen as demyelination in many cases, Uh, but we also know that the brain, the the actual acuity of the brain, starts to change, and. Uh, as a result of that, we a representation of the world changes. You know, we we fall easier. We we don't we don't walk as fast, and so on and so forth. Is this a result of? Um, is this a result of the breakdown in the peripheral nervous system communicating with the brain, or is it strictly just inside the brain that's changing? Yeah, well, that's a really good question, and it's really interesting. I mean, one of the studies that we did back in or published back in 2011, we looked at uh, some of the measures that we developed for studying uh, cortical dynamics. And in, in specific, you know, we wanted to say, well, interactions between different parts of the brain and, and the plasticity associated with that. So uh, one of the things, and we looked at different age groups, say age 20 to 30 versus 30 to 40, 40 to 50, and so on, all the way up to 65 and we just looked at up to age 65, and we looked at it very carefully. And what we found out from our measures was that uh, two things we learned. One is skin physiology measures really get worse. So if you take a measure where you're just me- measuring uh, uh, basically how well your you, how sensitive your skin is your skin sensitivity gets worse with age. 
Now, the interesting thing was the measures that we developed to look at interactions in the brain, those measures, uh, very fortunately, they, they were constant. So no matter how old you got, as long as you were healthy, those measures remain constant and, and basically your plasticity remains intact. And your brain is constantly changing. It's very dynamic. And as you age, you, you know, there's different compensatory mechanisms. But for the most part, it, uh, you know, healthy aging shows that we see that people are, do extremely well on some of our tests as long as you're not doing studies where you're just focused on skin sensitivity. And from the 1950s up till we started doing our studies, people really, really were focused on skin sensitivity. So where you're looking at what you're really not interested in is how poorly this, you know, how you, you really don't care if your skin's getting that old. At least I, I mean, you care some, but I care a lot more about if your brain right. health is getting going. Right. And so what you want to do is measure your brain health. And that's really a much more important feature than, uh, than in, in the skin physiology. Your nervous system is broke up into different components. One is the central nervous system and one is the peripheral nervous system. And the peripheral nervous system, you know, basically relies very, very heavily on those peripheral nerves and the fingertips. And they do degrade quite a bit. So anyway, uh, that was one of the first studies that we did uh, with our with some methods that we developed in 2004. Um, way back then, we we sort of just got we got real excited and said, you know, we, we can find uh uh, somebody moved in across the hall from me, uh, Bob Dennis. Uh, he was from University of Michigan. He moved in across the hall at University of North Carolina. And we did a bunch of chalk talks in the afternoon and started saying, hey, you know, what could we eat? I, and I started telling him the kind of studies that we were doing and the kind of things we were interested in in terms of cortical dynamics. And he wanted to know what he could do to help. And I uh, said, well, you know, if we could build a stimulator or build something that could deliver really good high fidelity inputs to the skin, we could answer questions about just about every neurological disorder there is. Wow. And, uh, you know, so what we did was he basically said, okay, you know, let's, let's, uh, I've got a whole bunch of senior engineers, you know, in, in my class. So let's, let's put this in front of them as a design project. And this was their senior year as undergraduates and it was spring semester and as you know, just as you would expect, what do most seniors do in their spring semester? Well, I mean, they, they didn't do anything. They, it was an absolute failure. And so Bob spent a weekend and took some fishing wire and some duct tape and plastic and threw together something that absolutely worked really, really well. And out of that, we got about four papers and a bunch of funding to uh, build the world's first portable tactile stimulator. I'm going to put, I'm going to put the picture, I'm going to put the picture of it up while we're talking because it's fascinating to me because it, it's yeah. People looking at this, that, that actually, that's the modern version. Right. And the version that was built, the very first portable tactile simulator weighs 15 pounds more than that. So we spent the next 10 years, 10 to 12 years, losing weight. Yeah. And this is a size of a computer mouse. It's very lightweight. And uh, those orange buttons deliver vibrations to the fingers. And it's extremely, and it's not just something, it's not a modified computer mouse. And it's, uh, it's, it's very much a, a high-fidelity piece of laboratory equipment that's uh, about $100,000 worth of equipment that's been crammed into a piece of plastic. 
So it's uh, and that, and that, that, that I was going to yeah. say. So so th- this works. You, you you obviously there's software that goes with it. You hook it up to let's say your laptop or your desktop computer, and you can now right. do at your tabletop. Right. What typically required you to go into a laboratory and be hooked up to very sophisticated and very expensive equipment, right? Exactly. And very few people have the opportunity to go in and set themselves up with a several hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. Um, I had some peripheral neuropathy issues many, many years ago, back in uh, about, oh, maybe five, six years before we started, started this venture. And I was thinking, well, I've, I had all the, actually had all the uh, symptoms of MS and I started doing some things to recover and I wanted to track it and see if I was actually getting better. And I had all that equipment at my disposal. So I started using it. Problem was nobody else could. And so that sort of gave me idea that, well, maybe if we could make something that was a little more uh, uh, commercially oriented or make a product that somebody that that people could actually afford, then that would be a much better way to track brain health than, you know, spending a couple thousand dollars to get your brain scanned. Okay. So and, now, now we have to stay, we have to stay here for a second. So okay. uh, the, the country is plagued by peripheral neuropathy today. We thought it was diabetic yeah. in nature. Now we know it's not because there's people who have modeled blood sugar throughout their whole life who start to develop. It starts out as socks and gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, the hands get a little, they just don't have the same sensitivity. They feel waxy to you. Then it starts right. moving up the ankles and up to the knees. I have it. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what you did and where are you now with it? Uh, it's completely under control. Basically, I I started doing a lot of reading. I self-diagnosed as having MS because I was losing feeling in the hands and feet, uh, legs. I was having trouble walking and I was starting to get see spots of you know, blurring. And all the research I did was basically pointed me towards, uh, trying taking taking first stab at, uh, diet. And I went on a paleolithic diet, a very, very rigorous one. And I started re you know, and for a couple of years that got rid of all the symptoms within about three months. And then I, uh, shifted over to where I started reintroducing things. Um, you know, that was a really tough diet to go on. And, did you, you know, did you read Dr. Terry Wall's book? Is that how you started on the paleo diet? Did you read her book? Uh, I can't. Uh, it was, uh, there, were, there was some website. I didn't read a book. I, fa- I read a bunch of papers and a bunch of online stuff. And I, I, you know, if I really wasn't prepared for this, I hadn't planned on talking about no, this. No, but, that, but see, that's, that's what I told you. My show is organic. If you say something interesting, we're, we're going down that rabbit hole sure, together. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. I was just thinking I, I could have actually looked up the website. No, the but that, that, that's but, okay. You know, so, but, but really, diet. And see, this is what I keep telling people. Autoimmunity yeah. is all diet. It really is. And people don't want to believe that. But you, yeah. elim- what, what, so, and I'm going to leave it with. And now, now I'm basically gluten free. I've, I've reintroduced just about everything back into my diet over the years. And it seemed gluten was the main culprit. Yeah. And that fit with my demographic in that I had a horrible wheat allergy as a kid. And it just came roaring back in my 40s, in my early 40s. And, you know, I was 21 years ago when it came back. And uh, now, as long as I stay off gluten, I'm perfectly symptom free. Valuable. And, that was valuable. And my scores are as good as uh, most of the twenty-year-olds that that test. Okay. So, 
So now let's get back into this piece of equipment. So those of you who are anxious and sometimes people have to leave early and all that sort of stuff, we have a special deal that you will not find anywhere else, as is customary with Superhuman Radio. If you go to the website gaugeyourbrain.com and use the code SHR, you'll save $150 off the home unit. Right. But there is an MD unit for doctors and there's, there's right. a, and 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 that one I think is FDA approved piece of medical equipment, right? Well, FDA well we have two professional units, the Bringage Pro and the Bringage MD. And the Bringage MD is FDA listed. And that's a it's a class two medical device. And, so, that, and that one doctors can save. I think it was six hundred dollars off of the uh, the uh, Brain Gauge Pro at this website that you guys correct. have set up you just for my audience. Six hundred bucks off the Brain Gauge Pro, and so that's a really so, we don't you know, give that deal very often. No, and so, so so those of you who are clinicians out there, this is an amazing piece of equipment that you can actually, you know, I would you know when you when you um, when you I I studied optometry believe it or not, before I became a moron. And so one of the things, one of the things that uh, they do today when you have your eyes tested is uh, they do the uh, uh, phototopographical uh, image of your retina. And they do that so that they can track retinal deterioration or changes in the eye from year to year. And that's a very valuable way to assess if you're going to have problems later on in life. Doctors need this. Because if your patients are coming in and they're just coming in for routine, you got to get them on this. You got to get that baseline test done so that next year you do it again. You go, you know something, past three years, your brain isn't functioning the way we think it should. We need to look at this and nip it in the bud now before you come back to me six years from now and go, I think I have dementia. This is an amazing device. And more importantly, you, people need this in their homes because don't depend on your doctor to get one of these. You can use this day to day yourself. This is, I got so excited about this device because this is the first time ever that you can sit at your kitchen table and really see things like, Hey, uh, is that dihexa I'm rubbing on my neck as a nootropic every day working for me? Are, are the supplements I'm buying that are supposed to increase my, my cognition and so on? Are they really working for me? Uh, more importantly, uh, I've talked about Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Coach uh, Dan John came on my show 10, 12 years ago and said, you know, what he does with his Olympic athletes to, ver- to verify if they're starting to become overtrained is after they've been off training for months, he makes them pick a key and tap it on their computer keyboard and tap it as many times as they can in 15 or 30 seconds. And then when they train, he makes them do it again. And when they start slowing down, he's like, okay, you need a couple days off. Now, that is a very crude approach. But this device would allow you to sit down at your table and go, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not training today. This thing says that I'm really off today. This is going to be so much better than an aura ring or whatever else you're using now to guess whether or not you're overtrained. This is going to do it for you. Gageyourbrain.com. SHR, you'll save $150 off the home version. And if you're a doctor and you're watching this show today or uh, the, the rerun of it, you got to get one of these in your office and start offering this as an additional service to your patients because you will really be doing them a great, great service that no other doctor will offer them, period. End of story. So for those of you who have yeah. to leave the show early, there it is. Take a look. Yeah, and actually there's an interplay between uh, the, the home version 
and the the professional version. So what a lot of doctors do now is they have the professional version in their office, but patients can actually test at home and never come to the doctor's office. And there's a telemedicine application for this. And when they test at home, that data shows up at the doctor's office. So it's it's just shared. Um, so okay. okay, so Stephen, we answer the questions? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so here, so Stephen Rushing is asking a question, and we're going to answer it on the other side of the break. I'm not clear okay. as to what data it gives you or what actions we can take with the data. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, Stephen, we're going to pick up specifically with your question. Again, go to gaugeyourbrain.com for a ridiculous discount on this already inexpensive approach to measuring the brain function right now or anytime you want. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Superhuman Radio. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test eight essential components of brain health. Speed, focus, fatigue, accuracy, sequencing, timing, perception, plasticity, and connectivity. And all in the comfort of your own home. Go to GaugeYourBrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device. That's GaugeYourBrain.com and SHR for $150 off. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carb, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. Are you still on the fence about Body Protection Complex BPC Oral from DrSeeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, Jim, in Columbus, Ohio. I had been having some nagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so just older tendon kind of issues. For us powerlifters, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through. And I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all. Go to DrSeeds.com, D-R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today. Redcon One is one of the fastest growing supplement companies in the world today. That's because they produce supplements that deliver on their promises. From their flagship pre-workout Total War to their innovative whole food MREs and bars. Now you can get the deepest discount ever offered to any audience anywhere. Use code SHR and get 25% off all Redcon 1 products today. SHR and 25% off. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. 
Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to power Powerful bodybuilding drugs at synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Spit that out right now. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. We're talking with Professor Mark Tomadol about an amazing invention, and uh, that is the brain gauge. And you can go to gaugeyourbrain.com to actually save $150 off. If you're joining the show now and you want to post comments, you've got to come to the Superhuman Radio Network page. If you're posting on any of the other pages that the show's been shared on, we can't see your comments, so just so you know. But you can still enjoy the show from wherever you are. How does it work? Explain the, how it sure. works. And then we're going to talk about what it's good for because it's really good for a lot of different things. Yeah, I'm going to give some simple examples, but, you know, in general – uh, generally what, like I mentioned before is what we're interested in is how do different parts of the brain interact? How, and how do, uh, how does stimulating two fingers, uh, give you any data? And what we do is we have a software app. We, we vibrate the fingers and then we ask questions about what you feel. And basically when you deliver, say we deliver two stimuli to the two fingers and we ask you really, really tough questions like which one is bigger? which one came first and which one lasted longer? Well, those, those questions are really not that hard. I mean, you conceptually. And so you just answer, you know, basically you answer the questions straightforward. The vibrations can get very complex and, and, but basically it can give you like your ability to contrast enhance between two areas, or it can tell us how well the frontal part of the brain is working how, part, how well the cerebellum is working and how well coordination is going on, how well your brain is coordinating events. Now, let me give you a simple example of what you could do with some data that was straightforward. One of the first tests that we take, the easiest test that we deliver, the conceptually is easiest test, is reaction time. Now, you may think, oh, I can go use react, I can go test myself on an online program on any computer. And by the way, this, this is, yeah, we, we've actually got a paper out that shows that the brain gauge has extremely good accuracy. As I mentioned before, it's laboratory equipment crammed inside something very small. The problem with most people's reaction time is it's not very accurate. And it can be between, you know, 80 to 400 milliseconds off. 400 milliseconds off is a lot if your reaction time is 200 milliseconds. So but let me give you an example we, of what we do with reaction time data. And, uh, again, a simple example is just making a tuning curve, something called a tuning curve. And, you know, let's say just tuning curves get very, uh, get very shifted with like states of arousal. So for example, let's say you get up in the morning, you're kind of groggy, you take reaction time tests, your reaction time, say around 240, 40, 40 milliseconds higher than what, you know, 200 milliseconds. Let's say your norm is 200. And then 
then you say, okay, as as you wake up and you drink that first espresso, you you're starting to wake up, and then then you're you're doing pretty well, and your focus is better, your reaction time is better, and your scores reflect that. So just sort of picture a bell curve in your mind. Well, what would make what would make this worse? Well, if you keep drinking espresso, or you keep drinking caffeine, or, or ingesting caffeine, your your arousal levels get much higher, and you have hyperactivity. And then all of a sudden you're going to find out, well, your reaction time is going to get worse. So there's actually every measure has a tuning curve. Every measure means something slightly different. So the reason we do multiple tests is because they all mean something different. And in some cases, it gives us an indication of how well you're focused, uh, how well you're how much fatigue you have, how well uh, you can accurately assess something or how well you can um I use contrast enhance or contrast things. If you're in my generation, you had a television set that had a brightness and a contrast control on it. Uh, nobody knows what that is anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There's a lot, there's there's a lot of things that, that a lot of things we grew up with that nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but if you can imagine your ability to contrast it, you know, turn that contrast knob in your head and sharpen and focus very quickly. That's what your brain does when a new stimulus comes into it. That's a really, really critical, critical uh, feature. It's one of the more important features that we measure. Uh, another is your ability to time events and another, and, and basically some of these things are, are related to coordination. Um, but anyway, each measure tags into something, something different. So that's about it. That's a, that's a 30 second. Well, well the other, okay. So we get how it works. And so you can assess focus, speed, fatigue, accuracy, sequencing, uh, time perception, mm-hmm. obviously. How does it determine plasticity? Plasticity is a big thing today, right? We done, we've done shows. In fact, I'm waiting for some one PLSD to arrive now. We've done shows on microdosing LSD and how it increases BDNF and neuroplasticity and, and exercise increases neuroplasticity. You know, sure. how does this assess neuroplasticity? So, okay, let's, let's go back to the question of delivering. We deliver two stimuli to your fingers and we, we just vibrate both fingers and say, which of these two stimuli is larger? What we do and, and then you, you address that test, and you've got a number. Uh, basically, the program, the app, has a number that that's, comes out of that. And then after that, that number is derived and saved. What it does, what we do is now we're going to do the same test again, but we're going to change that test so that in a normal circumstance, you're going to do much worse at that test. And what we do is we we deliver an illusory stimulus, and that illusion makes you worse. And in this case, we basically always make that the illusion always makes things worse. Most people, I'm sure most of your uh, listeners uh, are very uh, uh, aware or very cognizant of visual illusions. Everybody's seen some kind of visual illusion. It's kind of hard to measure and see how much that a visual illusion is. But what we do is we deliver tactile illusions that are very similar. But what they do, but what you have to remember is that an illusion is an illusion because the brain is connecting the dots. And for example, and when somebody's concussed, they quit connecting those dots, and the illusion doesn't happen. And then they end up outperforming. They actually end up outperforming the person who is tricked by the illusion. 
So we call it an illusory confound. And so we deliver an illusory confound before we do a test. And it has a very fixed amount of time that we know that it's going to take to, to have an impact on that test. And, but that illusory confound really does make, make a big difference in your scores. And it's supposed to. And so we know exactly how much is supposed to change your, you know, change you. Usually, uh, in our case, the way the tests are set up is it usually makes you about 30% worse at, at one particular test. And, you know, if there's something wrong, it doesn't make you worse at all. So that's kind of a kind of a trick question for the concussed student athletes who are trying to trick the system. Interesting. Uh, so so how long does it take? So if I'm using this, let's say I'm using it to assess uh, fatigue and uh, potential for being overtrained. How right. long does it take? I sit down in the morning. How long does it take from start to finish for me to get scores and see data that is meaningful to me? Yeah, so our full battery of tests is take, that we recommend takes 15 to 20 minutes. That's, but you know, each test is two to three minutes long. So there are several tests. And a lot of people just take one, one or two tests. So if you only want to take one test, that's fine. Um, but, you know, basically, if you want to measure something like fatigue or chronic fatigue, uh, then you really need to see what we do is we want to see how well, how much your performance changes from minute one to minute 15. So, you know, that, that, mm. that, that gives you a really good idea. I now, see. yeah, because yeah, yeah, I was going to say, the, lo- the longer you're doing it, in theory, right. if you start getting fatigued in 15 minutes, you have a problem because all of a sudden you start Correct. slowing it's- down. Exactly. And so that when, when the people, when our athletic trainers are working with student athletes, they say, you know, one of the, the most sensitive tests, I mean, the things that the last thing people seem to get uh, recover from is taking a simple test with a, com- a computer test. If they get tired taking a test over a 15 minute period, they've probably got no business returning to play. That's the same thing in our military uh, studies. We, we have some military ongoing studies with TBI. And that's, that's really the last thing that people seem to recover from. And uh, it's the most sensitive. Now, if you just want to look at how well is your focus, you only, can, you only have to do the first test. We can get your focus in one two-minute test right, right away. And if that's something that you want to check every day, and that's related to fatigue. But uh, the best fatigue test is actually to – the whole battery. Fatigue you. Yeah. you got to do the fatigue. You actually got to wear somebody out to, to right. actually see that. What, what role does anticipation play in this, right? So, you would, I mean, I used to drag race out in New Jersey, and you try to mm-hmm. anticipate the green light. So that's why sometimes you red light. Yeah. Well, you know, the basically we work on that, and it's uh, everything's like if you do a reaction time test, it's random when you're going to – everything's – so uh, – if you're focused, you will, you know, if, if you're very focused and really uh, trying to perform well, you'll do well. But it's really tough to anticipate when yeah. when you should respond. So these tests change up. It's not like you, you do the same test over and over again and eventually you start to know, oh, now it's going to do this. No, they change. They're all completely random and it's, it's really hard to cheat. Uh, we give some training trials at the beginning just to make sure you understand how to do the test. And then after that, 
there's there's really no way to cheat. That's one of the reasons the military likes our tests is that uh, they find, you know, people can't cheat on this. Like on a lot of concussion, online concussion tests, people know what the answers are supposed to be. Um, and they get very good at taking those tests. Um, one of the fascinating uh, applications that I found on your website was the uh, use uh, in with children on the spectrum. How would a mm-hmm. mom use this to assess what's going on with her child? Yeah, so we we uh, the ver- probably the very first group that we worked with, uh, the very first neurological cohort that we worked with was the aut- autism group, and we're still. We have a lot of people using our methods now to do studies of children with autism. And one of the things they're looking at is is measures that correlate with uh, something called GABA, which is uh, primary, you know, this predominant neuro, uh, inhibitory neurotransmitter. Uh, and basically, a lot of people on the spectrum have lower than normal levels of GABA, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of, and our measures are very sensitive to that. But there's a lot of things that people are doing and trying for behavioral modification and to see if they these things actually improve. And they do a lot of different exercises. And in some cases, they do pharmacology. And, you know, one thing you can do is track to see how well uh, someone is responding to to their medication, is it making them better? Is it making them worse? Mm. Um, you know, the, so you know, basically, uh, I think the only study that we really had difficulty with was a traditional uh, migraine clinic, where you know we were testing people before and after, and uh, before and after they they went on medication, and they're all being given opiates, which made them all happy, but it didn't make them better. So they actually got they actually got worse. Uh, so you know, sometimes that doesn't always it isn't always the best way to go. But you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. Are there any correlates to um, assessing these metrics, focus, speed, fatigue, and 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 commonplace disorders in our population like anxiety, like depression? Sure. Well, with anxiety. Um, Typically, things like focus is very poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done studies in a lot of different neurological disorders. We have not done a formal study in depression yet. Uh, but if you do things like if you go to the literature, you'll find that you'll find, well, depression usually is, you know, has some alteration in GABA. And, you know, basically that alters your plasticity. And so their plasticity will be different. Uh, we've done PTSD studies, which is related, you know, and a lot of those uh, subjects had both anxiety and depression. And and over the course of their treatment, they their brain gauge scores got much better uh, because and they were actually successful. Their their scores got tremendously better. So uh, you, you talk a lot about GABA, I have to ask. So so um, I mean, I've experimented with GABA for sleep. Mm-hmm. For years, I took five grams of GABA because it was supposed to raise growth hormone. It suppresses somatostatin. Right. Um, but nowadays, GABA doesn't do well for me. Something changed. Yeah. Uh, it actually can excite me at night. <clears throat> so what? Right. What? What uh, is, is, is your research pointing to people being very deficient in GABA today in the population? 
Well, our research hasn't, we haven't really looked at people in, you know, like taking GABA, uh, that jury's still out. Uh, what we've looked at is people taking GABA agonist, uh, things like, you know, baclofen for, um, for people who are recovering alcoholics, that seems to help them. Um, but you know, the mechanism of GABA is interesting. It really relates to inhibition. And so with the important thing to know about this is that your brain is always fighting to maintain homeostasis, just like your whole body is. And so it's a balance between excitation and inhibition. And GABA is the neurotransmitter that generally provides inhibition. Now, if your excitation levels change for some other reason and your GABA levels are maintained, then, you know, that could also be a cause. Yeah, still going to be the problem. problem. Right. You're still going to have the same problem. Yeah. It's not because GABA is low. It's because the uh, other. Uh, exactly. It could be. High. It could be the other side of the equation. You could have too much excitation, uh, too much hyperactivity for whatever reason. When you have a brain, you know, uh, short term brain injury that often causes hyperactivity. And, it, you know, basically it, it's usually because GABA is not being sequestered, but there's also too much activity for, for other reasons, you know, for, you know, there's a lot of reasons it could happen. Uh, we're going to take uh, another commercial break. By the way, later in the show, I'm going to talk about a study that fits nicely into today's discussion, looking at uh, stem cells and pregnenolone in treating multiple sclerosis and, uh, and similar disorders. So that, that'll be later in the show. Uh, but you can go to gageyourbrain.com and use the code SHR and save $150 off this amazing little device. I think everybody should have one of these because, you know, you can live without an arm. You can live without a leg. Uh, but a couple things that you can't live without, your brain and your heart, uh, are the two things that uh, we seem not to be able to live without. So it's probably best to take good care of those. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you some questions. Have you looked at the effects of meditation and the outcomes on the uh, brain gauge device. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more mm -hmm. Supreme Radio. Nope. How often do you sit with your laptop right on your lap? How much time do you spend on your cell phone? Are you in a technology-packed office Monday through Friday? Are you worried about this type of radiation? Now there's something you can do about it. GetLambs.com. This radiation has been linked to infertility in men, glandular tumors, gut microbiome dysbiosis, and impaired sleep quality. Now you can provide 360-degree protection to at-risk parts of your body with radiation-proof apparel from GetLambs.com. Comfortable, breathable, and 99% effective. Go to GetLambs.com and use coupon code SHR for 20% off your order of $100 or more. That's getlambs.com, G-E-T-L-A-M-B-S.com and code SHR. Crank your muscle gains to new heights by transforming every gram of protein you eat into three grams with Masszymes. With 100,000 HUTs of protease per capsule, Masszymes increases your absorption of key amino acids, resulting in stronger, healthier digestion of proteins and certain vitamins that not only multiplies the impact of the protein you eat, but can also repair a damaged intestine Intestinal wall. Go to Masszymes slash SHR for 10% off. That's M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S dot com slash SHR. 7,451. 
That's how many people kick the bucket, buy the farm, or cash in their chips every day in the United States. Yep, that means five people are going to meet their maker during this commercial. And no, our commercials are not the cause. Half of those who punch the clock for the final time will do so without life insurance. Call Big Lou at Term Provider before you are number 7452. If you're a 50-year-old male, a tad porky with a touch of diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about 200 bucks a month. With more verified five-star reviews than any other Lou on the radio, Big Lou has saved thousands of people thousands on their term insurance premiums. Stop procrastinating and call Big Lou today at 800-560-0301. 800-560-0301. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He doesn't want to be number 7,452. Call 800-560-0301 or BigLou.com. You've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on SHR, but you're still on the fence. Well, here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's that's right, I went there, but it's because it's the truth. My experience with the B-Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me, and now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give B-Strong a try. Go to bstrong.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR for 10% off. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Can-See Eye Drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Can-See and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-See Eye Drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Can-See Eye Drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than can see eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. You've heard me talk about the chill pill on the show and how effective it is at helping people who suffer from social anxiety or sometimes when you just want to take the edge off uh, to a long, stressful day. Well, listen to this story from Dylan Goutreau. Definitely takes anxiety away, which I have a long history of having. Started out at two milligrams a day of Xanax. That was at eight years old. And so I stopped using benzos three years ago. Extremely difficult. Yeah, so I spent about three years trying to find anything and everything I could that would be healthy for me um, to help with anxiety. Because I'm talking, you know, full, full out panic attack. The, the chill pill was the first thing that I've found that actually in the middle of a panic attack I can take and it definitely uh, subsides. Go to drseeds.com. That's dr R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your first bottle of the Chill Pill. Check it out. I promise this is one supplement that delivers. This is the Superhuman Channel. Doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. Gageyourbrain.com. Code SHR. $150 off if you're a physician. Go there. They have uh, a special unit just for your practice. You can save $600 off on it. Ridiculous. They've never offered these kind of discounts before. This is a device nope. that everybody yeah. should have. <laughs> I know. I know. 
Uh, this is a device that people should have. I really believe this. I mean, this is this is something everybody should have in their home, and every doctor should have in their practice. Um, are there any things uh, that you see that do improve uh, brain health, cognition, uh, response time, and so on? Things like meditation or anything like that? Yeah, we've actually we've done a lot of studies, or a lot of people. Well, yeah, I'm kind of lazy. We have other people do the studies. We just help them out with the methods. But there have been a lot of studies on a lot of different things. Uh, again, I mentioned uh, tuning curve, but I'll get back to that. Uh, we see uh, improvements with meditation in some of the scores. Now, some of the scores are more sensitive to certain features than others. Uh, we've seen improvements with uh, diet. We've seen improvements with chiropractic uh, uh, adjustments, um, uh, basically uh People with who are recovering from concussion, we've seen from a variety of of, of treatments, uh, from TMS, pulse electromagnetic field, hyperbaric chambers, uh, ozone therapy, di- you know, different kinds of therapies. Uh, we've also seen uh, big changes with exercise, and that's kind of a really interesting uh, interesting uh, data set to look at, and basically. Uh, if you take people who are working out all the time, if you if you train on a regular basis, uh, your scores are going to be much are, are going to be very much better. Uh, probably right after you've had thirty to forty five minutes of exercise, right after everything's kicked in and you're feeling good. Now, if you're a couch potato and you don't work out and you you go for a thirty minute run, and that just about kills you, well your scores aren't going to be very good right after the run. So it's a really interesting thing. And you sort of have to sort out who you're test, who's being tested. And and, and I would imagine how hard you're training. I would imagine that if you're somebody who's a compulsive exerciser and you drive yourself into the yeah. ground with every work session, you're probably not going to score well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just depends. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're in that category of elite athlete who works out several hours a day, you know, you know, uh, everything starts feeling good after about 30 minutes. That's when you want to go. But then if you're completely glucose depleted and you bonked, you, you're, you're way over the edge and yeah, you're not going to test well when you're completely exhausted. And, you know, there's also a central versus peripheral fatigue question. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing too. So, you know, we've, we've looked at that. Um, the keto, you know, the keto diet is all the rage today, and exogenous ketones. In fact, I have someone that's sending me ketone esters because uh, mm-hmm. they're going to become a sponsor on the show. And uh, there's a lot of good evidence out there about uh, ketones as an alternate substrate uh, for the brain. And especially mm-hmm. as people start to become, we call it type 3 diabetic, but if the brain becomes insulin resistant. That's, that's part of the mechanism of dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, yeah, and as you're you're probably aware, Alzheimer's is often called diabetes type three. Right. And one of the things that we studied was we studied a very large group of pre-diabetics, uh, about 400 subjects, uh, a few years ago, and we found that their well, that one of their metrics was really really way off. Their feed forward inhibition was extremely uh, high. And that particular type of inhibition was we sort of accounted for uh, by one particular cell line. And it turns out that cell line was discovered in 2014 to be the brain's uh, 
it's it's a source of insulin in the brain. Right. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the brain has cells that do produce insulin. I know. And this wasn't really just uh, prominent. It wasn't really widely known until 2014. But, you know, there are are cells in the brain that produce insulin, and but they also have other functions, and those functions are do play a large role in one of the one of the uh, mechanisms that has profound impact on one of the scores. And we found that, that pre-diabetics ha- did, did horrible or actually did. Yeah, they did. You know, they're, they're really, really off the charts on that particular score. And uh, it, it's very predictive. And one of the things that we think is going on is in terms of something like repetitive head injury, where people are banging their heads over and over and over that, that these cells get hyperactive, they start producing more insulin, and then there's there's more feedback from the brain, brain saying it's got plenty of insulin, and all of a sudden the body's no longer producing as much insulin, and that could be one way that you end up with Alzheimer's or diabetes type three uh, in in Alzheimer's. But you know that's that's an area of research that we're fairly active in right now. I I was at a family function. Uh, in uh, Illinois, and uh, one of my relatives, um, through my my wife, is a uh, geneticist at the University of Illinois, I think in Champlain, Illinois somewhere, Mm -hmm. and she's brilliant. I mean, she's a brilliant woman. And so I was talking to someone, and she overheard me say, well, you know, they've discovered that the brain makes its own insulin. And she said, it does not. I said, no, it, it does. I says, I think what happens is the brain is designed to be able to sustain whatever it needs to sustain without depending on the pancreas. It makes its own estradiol. If you suffer blunt force trauma, uh, aromatase enzyme in the brain will start to convert androgens to estradiol because through the FAF receptor, it can suppress inflammation dramatically and quickly. Mm-hmm. So you get hit in the head with a bat. It tries to stop the swelling. And she says, but it doesn't make insulin. I says, no, it does. And she was, she thought, and I actually sent her this study, and but she's one of those people that when I put it in her face and said, look, here's the study, you know, they showed that insulin is produced in these types of cells in the brain. She never responded. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. it's kind of funny. Neuro- neuroscientists have been predicting this in the literature since the 1970s, just because of the way, you know, from from different specula- for, for different reasons that speculation has been around. And then somebody discovered it. And also there's places in your brain that have 10 to 100 times more insulin than you have in your bloodstream. So that gives you a little more indication of what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, brain's, brain's pretty active in it, and it does take care of itself. Yeah. And, and, it, it, and, it, and it's a brain. Your brain, brains are women. And what I mean by that is they have to learn not to depend on anybody. Because somebody's right. going to let them down someday. So the brain right. goes, you know what? I got to make everything I need because I can't depend on anybody. You know, so it's a it's a right. fascinating uh, a, a situation. This is a great discussion. Uh, so I have not started using my unit yet, and I didn't want to start using it until I did the show. And here's why: okay. um, I am going to break the unit out tonight, and I'm going to take my baseline tests, and then I'm going to talk about it on the show. I'm going to try different interventions and see. What changes uh, my brain? And when I get my ketone esters, I'm going to try that. And uh, I've recently changed my diet. You know, I'm, I'm eating more carnivore again. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've cut caffeine out. I am zero. So I have had, look, I'm, I'm a product of the 60s. And so yeah. drugs <laughs> are okay. And so <laughs> caffeine became one of the drugs for me as I got older. And my audience knows they're laughing right now because so many times I've said, I'm done with caffeine, no coffee, no pre-workouts, no caffeine. But I've always started back. This is the first time for two months I've cut all caffeine out, even chocolate, because it has residual amounts of caffeine in it. Yeah. And I am finally feeling good. For a while there, I couldn't remember stuff. I felt weak. I felt tired all the time. I would fall asleep sitting up. Uh, but now I'm around that curve, so I'm going to start assessing my brain again and, uh, and, and looking at these things. And I'll be talking about it on the show actively as we move forward. And then we'll have you back on, and we'll talk about my uh, my outcome and what, what I'm learning. Excellent. And, and, that sounds th- great. And thank you for the information about the neuropathy, because that's going to help a lot of people in my audience, including me. That's fascinating. That's something that's been very fascinating to me. I knew that neuropathy and, and possibly multiple sclerosis, or let's say multiple sclerotic type symptoms, mm-hmm. were coming from our diet. I was convinced of that. Do you drink coffee? I drink tea. Okay. Did you stop drinking coffee in your time when you started? I did. Initially, I went two years without ca- – I went cold turkey, no caffeine for two years. See, I – so when I look at everybody, I look at you, I look at me, I look at my father who had this. We we all live vastly different lives. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a uh, – I like to train heavy and, and I, I uh, you know, I, I observe good sleep. I measure my sleep with six different devices and all this other blah, blah, blah. And then I know people who, uh, they don't do any of the things I do, but the one thing we have in common is we've all developed the, the, the hands, the gloves and socks. Mm-hmm. And it's not B12. And I've done some deep dives into caffeine and, uh, you know, we associate this phenomenon with B12 deficiency, um, but it may actually be from an inflammatory marker that is elevated from caffeine in general and coffee mm-hmm. and it's elevated to a greater degree in coffee, and that is C-reactive protein. Yeah. C-reactive cool. protein goes up quickly when you use caffeine and even more so. So coffee has a double whammy. C-reactive protein goes up, but ca- coffee beans have something in it that stops the metabolism of the liver getting it out. So mm-hmm. it goes up, C-reactive protein goes up even higher yeah. when you drink coffee. And they looked at, they looked at the phenomenon of C-reactive protein's relationship with, with, um, with, with uh, neuropathy. And they supplemented people with B12 and B6, and it, it didn't go away. It was only when they started to drive down C-reactive protein that the, the numbness in their hands and, and feet started to go away. And so... I am never going to drink coffee again for the rest of my life. I'm 60. I'll be 62 in a couple months. And the, the, the next 60 years, no coffee for me, no caffeine. The one thing me and my father shared in common is we drank coffee. That's it. And the one thing that, that I share in common with other people who complain about having neuropathy is they drink coffee. And so mm-hmm. I've come to the point that this boutique – and you know, the coffee that our parents drank, it looked like rusty water, and it was about four ounces. Yeah, it looked pretty bad. Today, it's an, reason, it's an. I never drink coffee. Yeah, <laughs> but today it's an emulsion. There's so much particulate matter in it. Who knows what those? You know, this point three percent of coffee is protein. What maybe some of those proteins are? You mm. know, gluten is a protein. 
So yeah. I've given up coffee, and I absolutely feel better. Uh, I was starting to have trouble. I was starting to develop some spasticity in my legs. That's mm-hmm. going away. So I, I I keep suspecting coffee as being a culprit in in uh, problems in our population. I really do. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's definitely a drug. Yes, but it's fascinating. I have. I, I'm not going to say I'm going to give up my tea right now, but I'll think about no, it. No, <laughs> tea, tea, tea seems to be tea. Tea seems to be good for people to drink. Uh, the people who drink tea seem to fare much better than the people who drink coffee. If you look at some of the uh, epidemi- epidemiological research on tea drinkers. So, mm-hmm. listen, thanks for being on the show. We'll have you back on once I start Thank to you. develop some information. Again, I'm going to tell the audience one more time: don't miss this opportunity. This is a great device. You should have it. Use it with your kids. You need to know affirmatively how your brain is doing. Gaugeyourbrain.com. Use code SHR for $150 off. Physicians, uh, please get one for your office. Save $600 with that same coupon code. Thanks a lot. Uh, We'll see you soon again. Thank you. Mark, okay, take care. Okay. And we're going to remove that, and we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. We're going to talk about a study that points me to the fact more of us old people need to be taking pregnenolone. I used to take it a long time ago, but I stopped, but I'm going to add it back in. And this fits nicely in this discussion today. Stay tuned. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman Radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test eight essential components of brain health. Speed, focus, fatigue, accuracy, sequencing, timing, perception, plasticity, and connectivity. And all in the comfort of your own home. Go to GaugeYourBrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device. That's GaugeYourBrain.com and SHR for $150 off. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carb, less than one. One gram of sugar and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. Redcon One is one of the fastest growing supplement companies in the world today. That's because they produce supplements that deliver on their promises. From their flagship pre-workout Total War to their innovative whole food MREs and bars. Now you can get the deepest discount ever offered to any audience anywhere. Use code SHR and get 25% off all Redcon One products today. SHR and 25% off. Go to redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com.
How often do you sit with your laptop right on your lap? How much time do you spend on your cell phone? Are you in a technology-packed office Monday through Friday? Are you worried about this type of radiation? Now there's something you can do about it. GetLambs.com. This radiation has been linked to infertility in men, glandular tumors, gut microbiome dysbioses, and impaired sleep quality. Now you can provide 360-degree protection to at-risk parts of your body with radiation-proof apparel from GetLambs.com. Comfortable, breathable, and 99% effective. Go to GetLambs.com and use coupon code SHR for 20% off your order of $100 or more. That's GetLambs.com, G-E-T-L-A-M-B-S.com, and code SHR. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Can-See Eye Drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Can-See and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-See Eye Drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Cansee eye drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than Cansee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready. Welcome back. So this fits very nicely into today's discussion. We're talking about measuring the brain, and we talked about multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis is a horrible disease. It robs people of their lives. It's kind of like Parkinson's disease in that manner. Um, there's really no tremor, which is uh, a hallmark of Parkinson's disease. But you lose your ability to move and walk, and some people lose their ability to swallow. Uh, it, it's horrible. It is horrible. So there's some research that was recently published. Uh, let's see who was it published by. I want to say it was some, yeah, it was Iranian, uh, the Department of Anatomical Sciences School of Medicine in Isafan, a University of Medical Sciences in Isafan, Iran. And uh, what they did was did they create a rat model of uh, multiple sclerosis by feeding rats something called cuprazone, cuprazone, cuprazone. And uh, they develop uh, multiple sclerosis, which is a, a hallmark is demyelination. The myelin uh, uh, of a nerve is the fat that surrounds the nerve. Think of, think of a nerve as a piece of wire. It's got this strand of copper in the center. That's actually the nerve. But then it's got a piece of plastic around it that keeps it isolated so it doesn't touch other nerves next to it and cause crosstalk. And in, that's called dielectric in wire, but it's called myelin in nerves. So that nerve carries information. It can't be interrupted by touching something next to it. And that is an important factor of both the brain and peripheral nervous system, keeping that nerve isolated so it doesn't get crosstalk. One of the things that happens in multiple sclerosis is the myelin sheaths start to wear out. They erode, and the nerves become bare in the wrong places, and they start to pick up signals that they're not supposed to, and that jams up everything, and all of a sudden you just can't move anymore, and you're having problems. Okay. So 
The name of the study was, and I'll post it in today's show for those of you who want to find it, because it's very exciting. If you if somebody has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, this is an easy thing for a doctor to do, and I'll tell you why. The study was called Improvement of Remyelination in Demyelinated Corpus Callosum Using Human Adipose-Derived Stem Cells and Pregnenolone in the Cuprazone Rat Model of Multiple Sclerosis. And so I'm going to just kind of read through this. Adipose-Derived Stem Cells have a neuroprotective effect and their repairability has been approved in neurodegenerative diseases. Pregnenolone as a neurosteroid plays a significant role in neurogenesis, the growth of new nerves. What they aim to do here is to look at the effects of adipose-derived stem cells plus pregnenolone uh, injections in the multiple sclerosis model created by Cuprazone-fed rodents. They had 36 rodents. Uh, They were fed an ordinary rodent diet, but with Cuprazone. 6%, 0.6%, 6%, uh, 0.6%, very low dose, 0.6% for three weeks. Human-derived uh, adipose stem cells were taken from patients with lipoaspirated surgery. This means that they, they stick a syringe into your fat and they irrigate and, at the same time. So they, they put fluid in and they suck the fluid out and the fat, Stem cells and other things in the fat come out. This is so simple to do. This is non-invasive. Everybody's got some fat somewhere. Um, The rats were divided into six groups. Healthy, the multiple sclerosis group, and a sham group. Pregnenolone injected. uh, Adipose-derived stem cell injected. Pregnenolone and adipose-derived stem cell injected. And then they modeled, they, they looked at their behavior, obviously their, the, the ability to walk and so on. They saw specific markers for myelin and cell differentiation were assessed using immunohistochemistry. Immunohist, uh, what what, so what they saw was an increase in two very important genes, uh, MBP, which is uh, myelin basic protein, and MOG, which is myelin uh, oligodendrocyte uh, glue to something. I-, I can't think of it right now. These were upregulated in both the uh, group that got the adipose-derived stem cells or the pregnenolone or both. They saw this. This is very important because this means all of a sudden now myelin is being regenerated instead of degenerated. In a model of a rodent that is continuing to eat something that's causing the multiple sclerosis. Keep that in mind. Notice that they use food to create multiple sclerosis models in rodents. Most people who have multiple sclerosis today are getting it from something they're eating. I, I let's say 99%, just in case somebody says, no, that's not true, Carl. All right, 99%, 99%. And, and we just talked about that with Professor Tomadol, that when he altered his diet, his MS went away. That, so, you know, people who have MS, you can get rid of it. You remove the foods that are causing the problem, and you do something like this, and you'll be better again. Um, they saw that the demyelination was, in fact, happening 
Uh, obviously, they sacrificed the rodents and they, they plated samples of their brain, and they saw that in the in the in the group that was just getting fed the Cooper's own diet. There was a dramatic uh, demyelination in the corpus callosum. The corpus callosum is important because it's the clearinghouse of everything. The right hemisphere and the left hemisphere of your brain communicate through the corpus callosum. Uh, so it's a very, very critical part of the brain. Uh, I'm sure that if they looked at the Stepsantia nigra, they'd see some of these same changes uh, uh, that we, we see uh, in the Parkinson's models. Um, so what they saw was they, in fact, did see de- demyelination in the rodents that were just fed the diet with Cuprazone. But what they did, what they saw uh, to a greater degree was an increased thickness of myelin in fibers in treated groups, whether they received the injections of the human uh, adipose-derived stem cells or the pregnenolone or both. And in fact, they saw the greatest increase in the ones that got the most uh, and got both, the human-derived uh, stem cells, uh, adipose stem cells, and the pregne- pregnenolone, they had the greatest upregulation of MBP and MOG, which are these two genes that are designed to rebuild myelin. The mean percentage of increases in these genes were significantly increased in the treated groups, regardless as compared to the MS and sham groups, which means that the pregnenolone by itself had the ability to increase the new myelin production, even in rodents that continued to eat the food that was causing the multiple sclerosis. Now, this is exciting to me because these are two things that are very, very easy to do. Um, Your doctor can easily remove stem cells from your body fat, spin them, prepare them into the, the the proper medium that it needs to be in, and inject it into you while you're taking doses of pregnenolone day in and day out. You don't have to inject pregnenolone, but they can give it to you uh, in injections if they want to. Um, this, this, I'm going to post this study. There's a little bit more to it. But this study is very, very promising because it shows me that my, multiple sclerosis is not a death sentence. It's not what we think it is. It can, it's a being induced by diet. So changing your diet is step one. If you remove the insult, then this type of a protocol is going to work faster and better. But things like pregnenolone and uh, uh, adipose-derived stem cells were either by themselves or in concert can actually help reverse multiple sclerosis. Very, very promising. Very, very exciting stuff. I wanted to share that with the audience. There's no way that I can get the uh, – we've, we've tried to get scientists – on the show in the past from Iran. And I think one time in 14 plus years, I've been successful. Whenever I send them emails, they never respond. I don't know if it's because it's coming from the U.S. I don't know if it's because of the language barrier. I don't know what it is. So I knew I couldn't get these guys and gals on the show to talk about it. So I just wanted to share it with you directly. And I thought it was a very, very good subject to talk about. Uh, after talking about the brain gauge and how you can measure progress. Obviously, if you have MS, you get the brain gauge and you get your doctor to uh, spin out some uh, adipose-derived stem cells and inject them back into you 
And um, I would imagine they have to be injected where they can get to the brain easy. Maybe they have to be injected somewhere um, that goes right to the brain, like the carotid or something like that. But anybody can get their hands off pregnenolone. You could take pregnenolone all day long, and you could take it in high doses. I mean, I've used three to 500 milligrams of pregnenolone a day across two different doses. And I'm going to start taking pregnenolone again. I emailed Elisa when I was reading this study, and I said, we need to get pregnenolone from Vitacost again. So I hope you take this away and share it with your friends. The study will be posted in today's show. And, of course, don't forget, uh, go to gaugeyourbrain.com, use the code SHR, and save $150 off. This is, a, this is the device everybody should have. Being able to keep track on how your brain is working, I mean, that's really important. Really, really important. So check that out. All right, that's it for today. We'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Thank you uh, for listening today. And please share the show and help other people be aware of this information. We'll see you tomorrow.